we today as women, when we connect in with this lineage of the feminine, with this lineage of sisterhoods that have gathered for millennia in all different forms, we're connecting into a web of knowledge that is part of what is informing how we're creating the future right now. Prophecies have foretold, and wisdom keepers all know, that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast, we are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity, so we can emerge as leaders, creating a new story on Earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders, and healers to navigate these evolving times and reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. Hey, beautiful sisters. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. Today, Shayna and I are super stoked to have our friend, Sarah Drew, here with us. Sarah is the visionary author of the eco-feminist novel, Gaia Codex. It's epic. If you have not read it, go get it. Sarah Drew catalyzes powerful blueprints for our future, deeply rooted in the gnosis, which means wisdom of the past. Sarah has been featured at a graduate level at organizations such as Google, ABC Deepak Homebase, The Assemblage, and Bioneers. And currently, she's a popular teacher and mentor for women worldwide on topics such as feminine wisdom, evolutionary culture, and regenerative technology. Okay, well, I have to say on a personal level, Sarah has been a dear sister and in many ways mentor to Shayna and I. When we met her, it was deep in the throes of the beginning of the pandemic. And then we read Gaia Codex and we were like, who is this woman? She speaks to my soul. She speaks to the mission of global sisterhood. She gets it. And so we got connected in different ways. Shayna, if you don't know this about Shayna, she's an epic manifester. She just is a connector. She meets people. We both got a potential introduction to her and then we connected and it's been magic ever since. Welcome, Sarah. So glad to reconvene and always convene with you both and to be with the Global Sisterhood. As we were saying earlier, gosh, you guys, you women, you goddesses incarnate are doing it right now at this time. And and we're all learning on this journey together. Sarah, specifically how I found you. I think this story is just the weaving that we're all doing in these times is Lauren and I read the book and we were like completely transformed. I think I had five other women read it because I was so touched by the clearness of the message that was received in my body when I read it. It was just overwhelming. And then like two weeks later, I was in a WhatsApp group with you (laughs) and we were all going to the same event. It didn't end up happening because of the pandemic, but I, in a way, got what my soul wanted, which was to be in connection with you. And for us at the Global Sisterhood, to bring you on as a sister and to share your voice with our audience, you have such deep wisdom and a profound message for this time. So I'm really excited to dive into that today. Honored to be here. So 
Let's start with where we are in this time. And I can paint the picture a little bit that our earth is crying out for us to reconnect to her. There's a deep disconnection that we feel, not just as as people, but also as, as stewards of this planet. And many of us have forgotten. And because of your deep work and devotion to the path of the feminine and to the goddess, I'd love for you to speak on what is the role of women in these times? Why is it important for us to come into our essence today? Well, I love what you said about the importance of us to be connected with our Mother Earth, with Gaia. And I really feel that this is the time of Gaia Gnosis, and again, Gnosis being wisdom. And this deep remembrance, this deep reconnection of understanding that not only are we stewards, but we are intrinsically part of her, our material self, and many are remembering also our our spirit, our spiritus self, our spirit, our soul, is of her. And we're at this pivotal point, as many of us know, that unless we remember this, a different type of creation comes forth. Can you elaborate on the different type of creation? Well, I think that Homo sapiens are deeply interconnected with the Mother Earth. And, you know, if we stop to care and tend for the material aspects of our being, then, I mean, I sense that, you know, souls and spirits will continue, but the human form may not, you know. And women are, I think, such a key part of this holding the womb of rebirth and and really initiating the reconnection with our Mother Earth. It takes all of us, but, but really so much of these initiatives are feminine-led. I think from the nature of our ability to feel, to sense, to be deeply present. You know, these are, these are some of the, the keynotes for our times, not only to do it individually, but to do it together in circle where it becomes amplified and where it can be exponential in its effect. I'd love to break that down a little bit. So the wisdom that we receive when connected to Mother Earth, this wisdom of this living, breathing entity. I love the distinction about gnosis because gnosis is uh, different than wisdom in terms of mental wisdom. It's experiential wisdom. And I feel we're moving from a time dominated by our minds and into the wisdom of the body, wisdom into the interconnection with Gaia, the intelligence of all life. And so specifically asking you about what shifts in terms of the way we relate to what we're building, what we're creating, what we're doing when we are open to the intelligence, experiencing the mother, experiencing the Gaia inside of us as we create. Well, just grounding it from the theoretical or the imaginative. Before we were doing this podcast, I'm in upstate New York right now, and I just came from walking barefoot on the dew-kissed grass and uh, skinny dipping in a lake and going through the forest for a couple miles. So, you know, this and 
many of you that are listening probably know that experience, all of a sudden, the intelligence, the just intricate design, the living compendium, the living library of life, not only is is something that we're taking in at an intellectual level, it starts to become deeply, deeply somatic. And it the forms start to become part of our own identity. You know, we, we start to encompass and, and be the ferns and the trees and the, the nightingale that's singing at night through our dreams. And I think it's a, such a essential and such a simple medicine for us right now to, even if we're in a city, you know, go to the park, sit on the ground, touch your hands, touch your head to the ground and, and just, you know, for us to begin to do this simple practice that we know inside the mitochondria of our DNA, we've come from the earth and it doesn't take a huge leap to return to her. Yesterday, I felt called to go to nature and I went up into the woods where I am right now in Idlewild, California. It's like a mountain town up here. And there's beautiful tall trees. And, you know, I was called to go sit at this decaying log Mm. because I myself have been going through this death process. And nature has so much to teach us about, you know, death and rebirth. And I was sitting on this log and then it came to me that I had chosen that for this specific reason without thinking of it, right? Like the gnosis element. and to be with this epic life force wise teacher of a tree that is creating a whole biodiversity ecosystem you know creating this newness from its form and yeah i just find nature to be an incredible teacher and these days it seems like we do undervalue the simplicity and the inherent wisdom of that connection so sarah i want to bring you into the gnosis that is the gaia codex the book that you wrote seems to be part of our story, our collective story. And so can you presence this book with our audience? Just give an overview of the book, what it is, and why it's important in these times. So the short arc for the Gaia Codex is that it's about an ancient lineage of women called the Priestesses of Astera that through the rise and fall of culture have been holding regeneration codes and protecting regeneration codes for our planet, Mother Gaia. And in times of crisis, in times of renewal, these women come together and help birth the world of new. And there's like a whole basket, if you will, of dual transmission memes in this book. That was so interesting writing it because I received a lot of what these transmission memes were meant to be and then spent quite some years weaving a story around it. So you have the transmission of this transcultural sisterhood that in different forms and in different cultures has maintained a connection and has maintained a remembrance And this moves through times when we've had to be quiet and times when we've maybe been more present. But there's this lineage that in this story of the Gaia Codex that we can tap into. And when we tap into it, we're also tapping into this wisdom of the feminine that has been with us for millennia 
that has been with us in connection with the earth for tens of thousands of years. So there's that transformation. There's that transmission. It's also a story about the Codex itself, the Gaia Codex. And again, within the mythology of the book, the Gaia Codex is almost like Akashic record, as they call it in the Hindu system, or the Laya in the Hindu, kind of an Indra's net, where all wisdom from all time is there and accessible to us. And these women have the ability to connect into this. So it's there in both an etheric form, but it's also there in the, in the body of Gaia itself. So when cultures have forgotten their connection with that, these women, the priests of Stara, connect into that. It's a heroine's journey, and it's told through a young woman uh, called Lila Sophia. And Lila is the divine play of creation in Sanskrit, that everything that we create from the heart of play is the creating of worlds. So she's a creator of worlds. And Sophia, of course, is in the Gnostic tradition, wisdom. And so she, the story starts, actually, when I wrote it, it was in the future, but it actually was more like around 2019, 2018. It kind of starts to go into inaction. And it talks about a time when there's increasing pandemic and increasing global climate change and crisis. And it's her message and thing. She loses her parents and she's set on this journey to find the priestess of Estera. And she goes and, and studies with wise mentors and teachers and falls in love with both a woman and a man. And, and also goes through this deep process of metamorphosis. So the short overarch of the story is that it's about an ancient lineage of women, priests of Estera, who through the rise and fall of culture hold regeneration codes and help connect with and protect regeneration codes for Mother Earth. And in times of crisis, these women come together, they gather together to help birth the world anew and, and to help, in a way, lead and help humanity through a time of crisis. Now, there's a circle of really important and potent transmission means in the book. And when I was writing it, I got this basket of jewels, if you will, that were really the constructs of the story. So one of them is about this lineage of women that is trans-temporal, trans-cultural, that have existed through millennia. They've existed in times when they've needed to be underground and be quiet. They've existed in times when the goddess was present, but they've been there as a consistent line of knowledge. And we today as women, when we connect in with this lineage of the feminine, with this lineage of sisterhoods that have gathered for millennia in all different forms, we're connecting into a web of knowledge that is part of what is informing how we're creating the future right now. Now, another transmission meme in, in the Gaia Codex is the Gaia Codex itself. And it exists in several different ways. One is like the Alea or Akashic records, which Alea is from the Buddhist tradition. Akashic records is from the Hindu tradition. And this is like this etheric Indra's web of all knowledge that's ever happened, that's existent 
and accessible to us at any time if we have this ability of connection. So the women in the, in the story have this ability. The other one is this wisdom that is in the Gaia Codex itself that spans the history and time of, of Mother Earth. And in the mythology of the book, these women have retained this wisdom and ability to connect with Mother Gaia's knowledge and wisdom in all its forms. And they do this by gathering in circle. And it can happen individually, but the power of circle, the power of women coming together is this amplification where we start to become like this multifaceted diamond that can each of us has a different facet of it where we can really start to amplify that connection. And then I just want to mention like one of the final really important memes in, in, the, in the story is about Lila Sophia. It's a heroine's journey. Um, you know, it's an adventure story. It has, she falls in love with both a man and a woman and has to navigate through that. But it's also about her metamorphosis her transformation, her embodiment of a transtemporal, we often say new consciousness right now, but it's like the eternal consciousness and happening at both the personal level, but also the collective level. And that happens through the Metamorphosis Project, which is an aspect of the book. This is why we love you. This is exactly why we love you. That was so beautiful. There's so many directions I want to take this. And so I think we'll talk about a lot within what you just said. But first, I want to talk about the setting and the time of Gaia Codex being when the world is in distress and there's pandemic and there's all of this disconnection from the earth. And that's when the priestesses remember. They awaken and they gather and they, through their bodies and through the circle of women, access the codes that regenerate the earth. This to me is not a work of fiction. This to me is accessing the truth. I truly, with all of my heart, believe this and believe that it's happening. I see it and feel it in global sisterhood. Shana and I both experience it and I know that you do too. You wrote about it so eloquently. And so first of all, I just want to acknowledge the priestess in you. I just want to acknowledge it. And I want to say thank you for initiating all of us into that remembrance through Gaia Codex. It's so beautiful. And then I want to focus on your main character, Lila Sophia, and her metamorphosis. One thing I love about the book, which I, I actually don't want to spoil it, but there's a moment in the book where she begins to experience other people. And I feel like that's happening on such a large degree for women everywhere as they're awakening, but they don't have the proper training. And so they're starting to empathetically feel everything that's happening all around them. And it's confusing and it's scary. And without the tools and definitely without the sisterhood, it's, it's can be overtaking, you know? And so I want to ask you a little bit about your tools for that. What your process of awakening to your gifts of accessing the Gaia Codex, accessing the wisdom of the earth, and also learning how to feel so much of what's going on and staying centered as a channel or as a vessel to bring forth the regeneration codes? 
There is an image I received when I was, I think, probably in my late teens. And you know, sometimes where you have these, they're like waking dreams. You know, you, you'll see something that is so visceral, so lucid, and it's almost like a still frame. And it, it just holds you there. And at that time, I had a couple very connected into this book, actually, uh, visions that happened. And this one specifically was of the young maiden, which I was at that time, completely naked, in embrace with the crone. And these two figures were coming out of like this muddy earth and they were holding each other tight. And the crone is there in her sagging breast and her her low-lying belly and her long silver hair and her arms that are, you know, the skin is sagging from them and, and her loving eyes and her wisdom. And the embrace is, is one of love. The embrace is this remembrance that we are both, that we presence different parts of this journey at different times of our life. But that wisdom of the old woman, where this actually, in the Gaia Codex, it happens, the metamorphosis first happens to Lila Sophia at uh, Old Woman's Cottage. This presencing is significant that we have that within ourselves. We have the wisdom of the ancient ones there. And it was an anchor point. And of course, you know, I was also a young woman and there was so many initiations and so many learnings and mistakes that happened and many, many, I would say petite morts, but sometimes they felt like complete total deaths, you know, where where I was just hanging on to one or two pieces of identity. You know, the, the ability, I think, to have this translucency of connection with all life, you know, it can come elegantly, I think, in a way. In Buddhism, they talk about it, I want to say the theory of interconnectivity, the Dalai Lama talks about it, you know, is that, of course, we are intricately interconnected. But sometimes it happens when we have an ego death and a death of a persona or something that we think that we are. And that allows us to connect deeper with all that is. As you were talking about the setting of Gaia Codex, which again was was written before a lot of the events that we're in currently today was happening, I felt that this this bursting forth of our feminine knowledge and wisdom is happening almost like the fire is running through a forest. And I think it's like the pine nuts or the pine seeds. Sometimes they're very they're very tight. But when a fire comes through, they burst open so that they can go back into the ground after the fire has happened. And I feel so much as what is happening with the feminine movements, with the feminine right now, is like we are like these pine nuts, these pine seas with the fires coming through. We're bursting open. And for a moment, we're lying there on this burnt and charred ground. What do we do? But we're going to go into the ground and together we are going to plant and grow and be the seminal seeds of a forest that is going to transform who we are as humanity and regenerate Mother Earth once again. I love that metaphor. And yeah, it's like letting it all burn away, all the things that are no longer serving so that we can build anew. 
And I want to tie this into my favorite part of the Gaia Codex where you paint this picture, the Lila Sophia goes into like this underworld to meet the priestesses of Astera. And you paint this picture of women from all cultures and backgrounds and colors and clothes adorned with their their heritage. And these women come to gather and the potency of the gathering is like this initiation into this next chapter, into this healing and reconciliation, into this deep acknowledgement of sisterhood that for a time, you know, was stripped from us. Like women were not allowed to gather in the way that women are beginning to gather now, like through the practices of the global sisterhood. So can we talk about this point in the book and why it was so important for you to have this gathering of these women from all places to really initiate the process? Yeah, it's it's the Chateau Lumiere, which is the, you know, house, the, the the palace, the temple of light. It is more of an overworld than an underworld, but it exists between the worlds in the book. It's funny, I, I did a podcast with Bob Thurman. The, he's a renowned Buddhist scholar. And whenever I see him in person, he always goes, that Chateau Lumiere. <laughs> he goes, we're going to go there. We're going to be there. It's happening. You know, it's like the first thing he says every time. It's so wonderful. Reminding all of us, right? So it, it has remained within the, the mythos of the book. This temple is accessible and seen to those who know. You know, you access it through, and I think why you might say an underworld, to get through, you have to go through the dark and brambled forest, right? And if you aren't able to see the path, which is shown as this kind of path of life, which Lila Sophia is able to see, and so she's able to, to get through, then you come to this kind of beautiful golden temple. And she comes at a time when the women are gathering again after hundreds of years of not gathering in person. And they're gathering specifically because it is this time that we've been very heightened and living through in these last two years, where plagues are coming and going, where climate crisis that had been anticipated is starting to heighten. You know, there's there's fires, there's pandemic, there's, you know, cultural diaspora where people are, are having to move because of climate change. And all this is heightening, but it's still at this time where people are like, well, part of the human spirit is saying, oh, maybe it just can go on, but they know it can't. And it's the physical evidence of what happens is that change is needed. So they gather together all ethnicities in their beautiful native costumes. I mean, I loved writing that that scene. And, you know, as a as an authoress, that scene just came to me one day and I knew I had the really the focal point of the book. I go, this is the mm -hmm. anchor. This is what it's about. It goes flat, flat in the center of the book. <laughs> you know? it, is this, it is the center of the mandala. And it's the women from all times and places, from all ethnicities, gathering together in service with love in their heart to help birth the world anew. I would love to know about the experiences in your life that birthed that understanding. What is being in circle with women like for you? funny I can kind of get shy sometimes actually I've also been really fortunate to have some amazing small circles 
that continue, have continued for decades. They aren't large in size, but they are dedicated to earth practices. We meet, you know, at the, the quarters, equinoxes mm-hmm. and solstice. And sometimes, you know, I'm called into circles to, that are there for a moment. And what I enjoy most is when there's, uh, personally, and they have so many different functions because, you know, sometimes they really are like our wombs, right, to to begin to be able to speak truths to each other. And then there's some circles where it's there There really are these wisdom council where people are, sometimes I'll be in a circle and I'm just holding space for whatever needs to happen. And there becomes that innate intelligence in the circle, I think, as we fine tune to, it's less about what I need to say as a, a personal or individual, but what what the circle wants to have happen at that particular juncture, moment, time, and place. And but I I said the shyness because I think that just for anyone who may feel shy, it, it's such a beautiful experience. And just to you know take your shyness to the the circle. And for some reason, I felt to to mention that today. What I love about what you just shared about circle, and I think it's my favorite thing, is sometimes you sit and you just listen to the wisdom of that emergent circle. There's an an intelligence that's greater than the parts. Like each woman shows up with her wisdom and her wounds. And in that alchemy of me showing up with my wisdom and wounds and you and Shana and whoever's in our circle, there's a consciousness greater than ourselves. Mm. That through the practice of circle, getting out of the hierarchical linear mind, we access what we call we can call magic. It's a different type of experiencing of life. And I think this is why women gathering was so shunned and it was outlawed and it was dangerous mm. to gather because there's such a power that you can't quantify and you can't control. Yeah, exactly. And it can be done anywhere, anytime, any place. It can be in this current times virtually. It can be done with three of us here. It can be done with thousands of us. And it, it's such the temple is wherever we gather, you know. And it's so potent. And we're remembering and activating that. And I feel that there's a necessity an essentialness to us doing it now. No one of us is going to carry it alone, right? We, we know that. We and agree. <laughs> <laughs> we concur. At the Global Sisterhood, we think circles are nice. <laughs> We're calling all the witches to remember their powers. <gasps> all the earth yeah. beings. Yeah. And Global Sisterhood, I'm such a fan of y'all. It's just amazing. It's changing who we are. I think what Lauren and I love to bring forth is that we have to do this work together. Mm. You know, the gift of the human within the animal species is our creativity Mm. and our ability to come together and to create through circle, through these spaces where we can create something greater than ourselves is the medicine we need to bring forth. And we don't have to do it alone. I have a good friend that says, many hands make light work. Mm -hmm. And so for us to share a responsibility and to to hold it is the way. And Lauren, like you said, that greater intelligence comes in when we gather. It's like when you're doing creative 
catalyst manifestation for me when it's something really important. I always will go see it clearly, but then I always offer it up to the goddess and say, please do with it what you will. May it be an auspicious circumstance. There's a there's a point of completely letting go with it, but also offering it up. Is, is there anything else that I can, should, might see that will allow this to benefit the most beings? And, you know, in what we create individually as well, you know, we can play with this cosmic intelligence. My guidepost is always what will benefit most beings now and through time. And you just get into some amazing spaces that way, you know, like you really start to do this dance with the metaverse, you know, whether whether you're creating a business or whether you're raising your children or, you know, whether you're doing a book or a movie or whatever you're, and, and it's all these forms that are so important for all of us as women to be bringing out right now, like really please take your your inspirations and and seek the support of sisters and really go for it if you have a vision of what the future can be and you know it in your bones and you feel it in your heart this is the time to do it because we are under a a pressure that's giving us birth and all of us are here to support each other I'm here to support you, and Lauren and Gina are, and, and all of us. So it's just, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so to help women do this, you know, to move out of the way we've been programmed to think, like, okay, I've got to create this plan, and I have to follow these steps. And it's this linear, again, I'm using the word quantitative, and very much like has to be from us. We have to be enough to create the thing. There's this whole other way of creating, which you are masterful at. And it ties back into, you know, how when we gather in circle, we tune into the greater intelligence in the circle. You have learned how to tune in to what in the book would be called the Gaia Codex, like the the consciousness of Mother Gaia, the consciousness of spirit, the consciousness of the collective, and to then feel really deeply and then create from this space of accessing the resources of the universe and of Mother Earth that mm. are in fact you. But it's like, I use the word channeling. I know that's not a word you use because it can mean many different things, but maybe you can speak about the specific practices that you use to be able to tune into the greater consciousness, the greater magic, and then hone it through your body, through your mind, through your faculties into creating something so beautiful for the earth. Yeah. Um, and I'm also just respecting how you are using channeling because it is like this can often be like this flow or stream of water. Okay, specific practices. When I'm writing, when I'm in a writing day, I I get up, I have coffee, <laughs> but I meditate. I, so I'm first convening and I'm, I'm meditating, I'm centering in my body, I'm asking the prayer that what I'm doing will benefit all beings. And then I sit down to the open computer page I write on my computer, and I just let what flows, flows. And this is a practice that I learned from my father when I was like seven or eight. 
or nine, and I wanted to be an author when I grew up. And he goes, just go to the blog page. And he goes, you can just go. And he goes, it's so interesting. What needs to be said will start to be said. And so this was this gift that he gave me. And the same, he was an amazing uh, drawer and painter as well. And, you know, a gift of, he goes, just let the forms come through. And so that it's like having a soft mind when you're in that state. And, and don't edit it for the first round. Don't, don't try to be critical of like, oh, is that the right word to use? Or, you know, is this, just let it flow. And, and think of it as water just flowing through you, flowing from the divine cosmic consciousness coming in. And see what comes out. And I'm always so amazed. Characters will come through. The scene of the Chateau Lumiere will come through. For the beginning, the first part that I was writing for the book, it was a scene deep in the Amazonian jungle and this amazing, what becomes the Gaia flower, you know, this immersion of this woman with this beautiful flower. And that was this anchor point that started to activate the book. And later I do editing and, you know, it's very fine tooth comb and very, okay, is this the right word? Is this the, the grammar? And all, all this very fine tooth. But for that visionary aspect, and it's very sensorial for me. I smell it. I taste it. I feel it. The characters, I become the characters as I'm writing it. So I think this can be applied to any form is for the women out there who you feel maybe a little like, can I do this? It's like if you're practicing any discipline. Just allow yourself time in the morning to journal, right? Journaling is great. Just let it flow. Don't edit it and see what comes out. And maybe at first it'll be very personal. And then with time you start to see some beautiful, like universal truths that start to come through. And maybe some specific instructions for a business that you're supposed to do or for a symphony you're supposed to make. Thank you for sharing that. I definitely come from a right-brained world and the logical linear and what your practice is is starts with the feminine and moves into the masculine it's the the birthing that happens through the feminine through the creative through the softening of the mind allowing whatever needs to come through to come through and then using your masculine tools of you know editing and condensing and and that's the opposite way that I work. I would love to have more of that feminine space. So thank you for sharing like the specific way that you work, because I feel like it's expansive for me to hear that and to try that, to try that on and see what flows from there. And so I want to take this conversation into connection, connection with something, you know, you spoke you spoke of meditating. And I know on Global Sisterhood before, you've talked about aspects of your Buddhist practice and the thousand multi-faces of the goddess. And I want to speak to, I don't know if this is true for you, but maybe for the seekers out there who are exploring different paths and walking through this world of spirituality and finding different things, you know, what has been your path and what's, how is your connection changed or evolved or deepened? I had a mentor years ago that he was a professor at UC Berkeley and also at Princeton, but I, I studied religious studies at UC Berkeley. So he was there and he goes, 
the path, the teaching, the way is your life. Your life is the teaching and the path. And I, I, I really loved it when I heard it, and I keep trying it on at different points in my life since then. Personally, for me, I came in in this particular incarnation, or if we didn't believe in multiple incarnations as a child, I really um, I had a deep sense of knowing of this ancient self and these ancient ways of being, not mastery, but, but knowing of and desire to learn more and fascination with. And that really spurred me on in, you know, in my late teens to go travel to Tibet and down in Brazil and to India and Varanasi and just start to connect with the viscerality of these lineage lines. And then I went to UC Berkeley to study religious studies so that I would have a languaging for these deep mystical experiences I was having. I didn't really have a language, but that, that helped some of the, at least the tradition of what others had thought before. And I feel like I came in with a mission of knowing that there would be a time such as we are right now and that many of us would gather. I didn't know what it looked like, but I, I was always excited about it because I go, oh, there are going to be people I really have like loved for a long time, and we're just going to do something amazing together. I have no idea what it is, but we're going to do something really amazing. And, you know, I'm chronologically on 56 right now. So there was some waiting to happen. You know, there was some points where I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's always stuff happening. But, but this particular moment in history, there was some waiting to do. And I, I continue to learn. You know, I continue to me, you know, consciousness is infinite. And so I'm continuing to learn. I've gravitated towards Buddhism after looking at many other traditions and, and aspects, tantric aspects of the goddess, but also the transcultural goddess. But yeah, that, that anchors. But I think you, you, find, you find practices that work with you. And maybe, you know, to those of you listening, maybe you're one of the people that, that actually you're bringing new practices and new revelation for us. And be humble about it and show us the way. So do you have advice for, for women in these times? Love one another. Just love one another, right? I love you. <laughs> I love you too. If we can love one another, like really, you know, choose love, choose love, choose love, choose love with each other in our circles and then with all those around us. Keep choosing it even when it's difficult. Choose it when it's easy. Choose it when it's ecstatic. We'll change. We'll change the world. Mm. Yeah. Sarah, I, this Sunday, Lionsgate, I did like a three-hour kundalini practice and it was buzzing and it was amazing. And the message I receive is it's all love. It's all love. So you just look around at it's all love. And it's an interesting practice because it, even the hard stuff, it's all love. For our final question... I would love you to put into practice all that we've talked about and tune in to the Gaia Codex, to the interconnected web that is the greater intelligence. And I invite you to specifically connect with a message from the Great Mother, from Gaia herself, for the ladies listening. Mm. We will create fertile fields 
whose bounty and fruit will nourish those and all for generations. We will sing the songs that will inspire children to create the new worlds and civilizations that are to come. We will rest our body within the sweet embrace of Mother Earth, Mother Gaia, once again. And within that, learn the sweet secret that she is truly us and we are truly her. That her forest grow deep within the depths of our heart. That her streams run in our veins. That her winds are her breath, our breath. And when we see the deep intelligence of Gaia as everything that we could learn and need to learn to build what is new because it is ancient for thousands of years to come, there's a sweet, sweet, sweet living library here, vibrant with teachings that can last generations, waiting for us to nourish it, waiting for us to care for it. There's an expediency right now to collectively reimagine, re-embody the fertility of our Mother Earth, the longevity of old-growth forest, the clarity and purity of our oceans and water, It is ours to do, not in the future, but right now, in this moment. And the expediency of how this can happen, how it can transform, how we can activate the magic of playing with that edge of what they call in the Hindu tradition, maya or illusion, to create the collective experience of fertility and well-being for all beings, will be accelerated by us as women gathering in circle, will be accelerated by our love, by our deep connection, by our honoring of all beings and all life. May it be so, and may we do this now. And so it is. Big virtual hug. Love you both. Very, very mutual. So Sarah, can you share with our audience where women can find more about you, where you're located on the interwebs. GaiaCodex.com, SarahDrew.net. And I live in the Hudson Valley. If anyone feels a very, very, very strong call to meet, contact me. I live on a couple hundred acres. I do go into writer's retreat where I'm, I'm not at all available, but there's something about us all walking the land together whenever we can that I'm just really feeling these days. And if it's not here, please do it in your own space and place on the planet. Reunited through global sisterhood. Thank you so much, Sarah, for this interview. You just weave words of magic and inspiration and wisdom. And it's an honor. It's such an honor to be with both of you. And thank you to our audience for tuning in to the Time of the Feminine. It is so beautiful to have you here in this virtual space and to 
spend time. Lauren and I would love to hear from you. You can contact us also at The Global Sisterhood, and you can find us online at theglobalsisterhood.org. And yeah, we're just sending you a lot of love. Till next time. Ciao, ciao. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Time of the Feminine podcast with Sarah Drew. To learn more about Sarah, you can go to GaiaCodex.com or SarahDrew.net. And to learn more about what we do at Global Sisterhood, to join our programs, to learn how to facilitate a circle, or to learn more about our upcoming program, Sacred Facilitator, you can go ahead and check us out on Instagram at the Global Sisterhood or at globalsisterhood.org. Thank you so much. Talk to you next week.